Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. This month, Pastor Fred Oyola takes us through the Book of Romans in the heart of the matter. We just celebrated Madaraka Day yesterday. And one of the things you must realize is Kenya commemorates gaining independent self-governance from the British colony. It commemorates it every year because we gained that in 1963. We cannot forget the people behind that, though. Remember the guys, Paul Ngei, Fred Kubai, Bildad Kagia, our forefather, Jomo Kenyatta, and Achiengoneko. These are guys who are behind what we celebrate today. No wonder you, you, you saw things on social media yesterday talking about things like, oh, we celebrate the heroes that went ahead of us. They are their heart behind what we are celebrating yesterday. I hope you're getting the gist of where I'm going. The beautiful story of faith is similar. At the heart of faith, we have Jesus. That is standard. Behind Jesus, though, there was the disciples. Those guys were the guys who, after he left and went to heaven, he gave the commission to Columbia, guys, go. The go reaches so far into uh, the future that it gets to us today. We are also disciples. But we remember the 12. Okay, the 11 because we remember them because they are the heart behind this work of salvation that we have. But we must also remember in scriptures, especially for the New Testament, this man called Paul. Paul, the Bible says that he was called Saul because he was a Hebrew who was also a Pharisee. We must remember him because the Bible has so many books that he has written. All the way from the book of Romans. Mbaka uko Philemon. Fall. Paul. Paul wrote so many books of the scriptures. And so we must put the heart of the message of God behind him as well. We must look at him with so much seriousness. And study his stuff. Because the heart of God was given to him. And so he gives it to us in the New Testament. We know the story of Paul. Paul was born a Hebrew. A Jew. But we know very quickly when we meet him that he's persecuting the Christians. He's the guy who actually commissioned the death of Stephen. One of the disciples of Christ. He's the one who, on the way to Damascus, we know his story, is almost, not almost, actually gets to the point of meeting with the Lord. And God tells him, my brother, why are you killing me? Why are you messing me up? Why are you killing the very thing that I love? And we know from there his conversion begins, and the writing of the New Testament, especially the very critical ones. Not that the others are not critical, but these ones have some emphasis in them. That writing begins. It is this Paul that we know that writes to the Romans. But we must understand quickly that unlike the other books that he wrote, the book of Romans was the church in the, in the, of Roman, in Rome was not a church that Paul actually even set up. 
if you read the book of Acts chapter 2, you realize that the Jews that came from the Pentecost, that great place where Peter comes up and says, oh, guys, we have this Jesus and preaches to the guys and 3,000, the Bible says, one time are saved. The church in Rome, actually, the scholars say, almost began from there. So Paul had nothing to do with the setting up of this church. But when we begin seeing what he writes to the Roman church, the church in the book of Romans, we start understanding that this guy had a mandate straight from heaven. So that in its entirety is what we're talking about this month. And so I will remind you again, take time this month, please, by the mercies of God, to study the book of Romans. Study it all the way from chapter 1 to 16. Find the heart of God in it. Then you will understand why we are talking about the heart of the matter as our title for this sermon. Before we get to the church, let's talk a little bit about the city of Rome. We must understand that Rome still exists today as a major center of the modern world. At the time Paul wrote the book of Romans, the total population was only one million. This made it one of the largest Mediterranean cities of the ancient world. It, is, it was obvious that the hub of the Roman Empire, which made it the center of politics and government, was this place, the city of Rome. Rome was a relatively wealthy city and included several economic classes, slaves, free individuals, official Roman citizens, and nobles of different kinds. First century Rome was known to be filled with all kinds of decadence, immorality, from the brutal practices of arena to sexual immorality of all kinds. During the first century, Rome was heavily influenced by Greek mythology. Imagine that. And the practice of emperor worship, known as the imperial cult. Thus, most habitants, you can imagine, if all these gods are there being worshipped, you can imagine how the people are. So you can imagine that kind of space and being a believer in it. Almost as if, almost like what we have right now. We are slowly getting to the point, guys have their own tumungu everywhere. Let me read a bit more. Let me, let me read a bit more. The problem for both Christians and Jews during the middle of the first century was that both the Christians and the Jews in Rome believed in one God. These guys had many. That was a problem number one. Problem number two is now persecution began. Because you can imagine if you believe in one God, but then where you live, Mungu ni wengi, guys are like, eh, boss. To the point that Emperor Nero inflicted heavy persecution on the Christians. It was so bad, he would get Christians. Can you imagine? If he found us here, for example, he would get one of us, put you on a stick, like pierce you, I don't know how, I don't even know how to explain that. Like raise you up, you know the lamppost? This is our kanjo. And then put you on fire. So that Rome would be lit at night. That is how bad persecution was. So you can imagine how being a Christian was in the time Paul was writing this. It is at this difficult time that Paul decides 
to write to the believers in Rome. Because as believers, Grapevine tells you, hey guys, don't you hear in the news of guys in China being forced by governments not to meet as Christian bodies? It is the same way it was back in the day. Paul would hear, hey, your guys are being burnt. So and so, Ali Chomwa Juzi. And his body is still aflame because, you know, it takes a while for him to kuchomeka. It is the same thing. So Paul writes to that time. Imagine that for a second. And so when he begins to write, this is how he breaks down the book. He breaks it into four parts. The first part is our need for salvation. Imagine with all that's happening and what he writes to encourage the guys who are there. So imagine, like for example, meeting over here. One of us was burnt yesterday. And then Paul is writing, talking about our need for salvation. You're like, boss, uh, you need to be encouraging us more. Secondly, he writes about God's grace and our faith. Our need for salvation is between chapters 1 and chapter 3, which we're going to cover today. That is what we've called the problem in our humanity, our topic for today. Then he writes about God's grace and our faith. That's chapters 3 to 6, what we have called the provision of God. Then he writes about the scope of salvation. That is what we've coined the power of God and the resulting predicament. Chapter 6 to 11. And then finally he writes to them talking about the Christian service. That is the practice of our belief in Christ. Imagine that as a believer in that time with all that's happening, with the uncertainty even of your life. And these are the things Paul is talking about. Remember we have said that at the heart of what he's writing about is the message of the heart of God. And so, despite what you're facing today, I urge you, by the mercies of God, to open your heart and listen to what God is saying. I urge you. Today, we begin with the first three chapters. Like we've said, we've coined it, the problem in our humanity, which Paul addresses between chapter 1 and chapter 3. If you can't open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans 5 verse 1. I will read it. Romans 5 1. Very short. But this will be our theme verse throughout the month of June. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Therefore, since we have been justified, made right, made clean, made clear through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul begins in chapter 1 by greeting the Roman church. He then introduces himself, introduces the gospel to the Romans, and then tells them of his desire to visit them. There is nothing that beats the ministry of presence. Nothing. If you ever hear that a friend, a relative, somebody dear to you, somebody you know through acquaintance is going through, 
One of the worst things you can do is tell them, God bless you, or I'm praying for you. It's not too bad, but if you can develop the ministry of presence, because Paul does it very well. He then tells them of desire to come visit, and since he had never helped them to form it, and it's not been there before, he introduces his letter very quickly. In Romans 1, 16 and 17, allow me to read. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous, in the book of Habakkuk chapter 2, will live by faith. This is revealing to us Paul's heart. He's not in the persecution. He's going through his own probably. Because he had written this book after writing almost five of his letters to the churches all around Asia and Europe. He is writing his heart and he is writing to the sophisticated space these guys are in in Rome. Some might be embarrassed by a gospel-centered message or a gospel-centered selfness. Especially when you're talking about the crucified Jewish savior. But Paul is not ashamed. Why is he not ashamed? He has said it. Because the gospel has power. That's what he said. Power. Power to what? Let's read it again. Power to? That brings salvation to everyone who believes. Power is the one thing that Rome boasted of the most. If you remember your history, Rome had actually overpowered Israel. To the point, by the time Jesus is coming into the scene, they are the bosses. You wake up and you're a slave in your own country. So he's addressing those who have gone to Rome and are in the same space. Now you're not even in your country anymore. You are a foreigner. Obviously, you feel powerless. You feel second class. No wonder they say second class citizens. Greece might have had its philosophy, but Rome had power. They had conquered almost three quarters of the world by then. Despite all their power, Paul is telling the church in Rome that they are like men. The only person who has the absolute power, he says, is God. Can you relate to that? He tells them that we are powerless to make ourselves righteous. We cannot be anything good apart from him. Allow me to continue a little bit. He then jumps to the meat of our study today. He tells them from verse 18 of chapter, chapter 1 all the way to the end of the chapter by talking about the ungodliness which refers to man's offenses against God and our unrighteousness which refers to our offenses against each other. He tells them that the grave problem of our sinful humanity is giving into the areas that are plaguing us every now and then. He cautions that the problem is not that man did not know God. 
The problem is not that you, do know, you and I do not know God. The problem is that we know him. Because when you know him and do different from what he desires of us, that's even worse than knowing him. Not knowing him, sorry. He then tells them that mankind is then without excuse. Aruna excuse? Instead of glorifying God, we are transformed the idea of him into forms and images, he says. More, com more comfortable to our corrupt and darkened hearts. All that lead to the wrath of God on us. Apart from the issues of our debased or immoral mind, covetousness, whispers, envy and pride, he gives special emphasis, imagine this, to the issue of homosexuality. He talks about it in chapter 1. If you find time, read, read chapter 1. I'll, I'll tell you that all through this, this month. Read it. He says that it has plagued the city of Rome. One of the things that Paul was addressing, at the time of writing the book of Romans, the city of Rome was so plagued with homosexuality to the point that the emperors, it is said through reading and scholarly material, that they were doing a lot of homosexual acts, even with boys, young boys, to the point that even Nero himself, the emperor of the nation of Rome, was so into homosexuality that it was known, it was an open thing. It was, the government had, access, had almost given access to it. And so Paul is addressing issues that these guys are facing, direct. Listen to this for a second. Eh? Homosexuality in and of itself is said to have partners experiencing a lot of sexual partners in their lifetime. A London AIDS clinic at one time, this is ages ago, defined a promiscuous person, especially in the homosexuality space, as one who had more than six partners in their lifetime. Because the guys they were dealing with every time in their clinic had noted down more than a hundred partners in their lifetime. So Paul is addressing an issue that years on would still be messing us up. He's addressing it head on. Telling them, guys, these are the things that happens when instead of glorifying God, we transformed our idea of him into forms and images more comfortable to our corrupt and darkened hearts. All that lead to the wrath of God. At the time Paul was writing this, homosexuality is rampant in Rome. It was cleared by the Roman Empire, practiced by them, all the way up to Nero. Imagine that for a second. In Romans 1, let's jump into Romans 2 quickly because of time. Paul points out the sin that we deal with. Pride, anger, jealousy, those things. To the point of even fleshly sins, homosexuality. He points the most notoriously guilty. But in chapter 2, he speaks to those who are generally moral in their conduct. Paul assumes they are congratulating. They are congratulating themselves that they're not like the people in Romans chapter 1. Let me read a, a few verses in chapter 2 for us. 
Romans 2 verse 1 to 4. If you can turn there, that's fine. If it's not, it's okay. Romans 2, 1 to 4. You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Hear that. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. Verse 3, so when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them. You know those guys? Yet you do the same things. Do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Verse 4, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? He's pointing out that the moralist, those that look at their deeds, let me show you how the deeds look. I have helped a hundred people with school fees. I have helped uh, my dad to build a home in the countryside. I have done my bit for the society. So I am morally clear and upright. Me seeing issues. Ah, my homosexuals and these guys who are thieving and guys who are um, doing craziness. Hey, me, I'm not there, banner. Me, I'm good. I don't have the Lord, but Nikosawa. That is what Paul is addressing. The moralist. The moralist himself presumes upon the goodness of God. His past sins. The forbearance of God. His present sins. And the long-suffering future sins. He is any amejito from all of that. Saying he is clear. Mimi nikosawa. Paul is talking to that. In chapter 2. One of the things God is telling us is his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering must bring, must, 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 must bring the moralist, even if you're good. You know, there are those of us who are even your, your, your family knows you as the kind guy, the, the, the calm person. If you're there but you do not know the Lord, this is for us. These things of God should bring the moralist into a humble repentance instead of an attitude of superiority. He speaks of the Jew as well. You know, you must realize that in Rome at this time, there was a mixture of the Christian and the Jew. Those who were born again from Peter's message. Remember at Pentecost? Kunao, but kuna Jews who not, don't really believe in Jesus. And so the Jew at this time actually believed that he was more righteous than anyone. He had reasons. First of all, Abraham is their father. Remember? Father, the father of all who believe in God. Abraham. They talked about issues like circumcision. They believed that because of circumcision, salvation belonged to them. Because the children of God were those who did what God commanded. And if you did it, now Kosawa. They believed they were special because God chose the nation of Israel, the Jews, to bring Christ in them. Does that speak of sometimes how we act as the church of God, especially in 2019? Sitting and heaven, as in 
These other guys, I'm sorry. That is the thing we normally get, especially when we are asked to go for missions, for example. You're like, no, I don't have to. Why do I have to? See, me, I was in sin and I accepted the Lord. That is what these guys were doing. The Jew knew the law. Hey, Kwanza, the law. One of the things that the, the book of Deuteronomy teaches us is that the Jew had to train his child in the Pentateuch, the five books of the law, from Genesis all the way to Deuteronomy. He had to teach them to his child, yani, religiously. You see, the way our brothers do it, especially in this season, they did it so well. So they assumed, because I know the law of God, aye, boss, there's nothing you're telling us that we need Christ. What do you mean? Do you know the book of Deuteronomy? Have you ever had those friends? The first thing I'm going to do you know Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1? And so the Jews were the same. The Jews knew the word. You know, you know those guys who it's here. But now they boasted in that. Not in Jesus. When we boast in the same, the book of Romans chapter 2 is talking to us. All this Paul said is still, these people are still going to experience the wrath of God. If all you know is scripture, but you don't know him, then you're still not in his fold. Finally, in chapter 3, he continues on the problem by focusing on the Jews' unbelief of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Romans 3, chapter 9 to 18, tells us what will happen or how these guys look. The fact that the Jewish people as a whole to that point had rejected the gospel did not mean that God's faithfulness to them was in vain. Have you accepted in your heart of hearts that Jesus is the son of God? Because Paul is addressing these guys in chapter 3. And saying that if you do not accept that he is, there's a problem. That is a problem in our humanity. The law can't justify anyone. Just knowing the scriptures does not mean you're justified. Just saying that uh, I know of this Jesus does not mean you're justified. The law will never justify you or me. It is useful in giving us knowledge of sin, but it will never justify us. It will never save us. Only Jesus and his message of the new covenant can save us. He then tells them that there is no way, no other way to obtain this righteousness. This righteousness is not earned through obedience to the law. It is a received righteousness gained through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the place, chapter 3, where we get the beautiful verse that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinful tendencies. That's how I read it. Because, because of Jesus, sin is no longer, it doesn't have power over us. It doesn't control us to death. But we still have flesh. Our sinful tendencies are almost at a fingers 
rich. Guys, I hope you are starting to understand the message behind the book of Romans, especially the first three chapters, as concerns the problem in our humanity. Paul, in summary, has told us four things. Never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Especially with the surrounding you find yourself in. And especially even further, if you are the lowest in the society, it is the power that will bring salvation to everyone that believes. I've told us that the Christians in Rome were the lowest in the society. They were slaves. They were foreigners. They were guys who were nobodies compared to the Romans that were there. So Paul is telling these guys, even in suffering, to remember that the power of Jesus is what is good on them, is what they need. So they should never be ashamed. If they have received him, they have the power. One of the things you will realize about our society today, our society today actually still thinks of power. We want to be associated with the best political party. Mimi Nikoisait, COE. We want to be connected. Yani, we want to be known to have the best families. My family, Nikona cousin, Pale, Ukiangalia Vizuri, Kenyata, Coop. Nikona brother in law, who is Naisait. We really love power. Because we assume our salvation comes from it. Don't you, have you not realized that people assume that if you, for example, I, ha I have a friend who works in the central bank. Hey, the first time I heard that, I was like, Power, we love. Power, no wonder money is a big thing in our society today. Are you at a point where unangalia that your life needs the power from others to be saved? Are you at a point where unangalia even asema, you know what? I need to connect with the right people to make it in this life. I need to join with the president. Hey, Juzi Bananimena Kukapo, he was not very far. So I was like, oh, Ujamani Kapewa, two, five minutes. Power pitch. How many have heard of the power pitch? One minute. One minute. Some of us are there. Unajua tu nikikachini na this guy for five minutes. Paul is addressing that, guys. He's addressing it. Never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Because it is the power, allow me to cut it short, unto salvation. It is the power. Having Jesus inside of you, guys, is the most powerful thing in this world. I always tell guys this, eh? I have worked for companies all over this world. I have. I have. But nowadays I tell people that I am employed 
with the creator of the universe, by the creator of the universe. Think about that for a second. You serve him. I know the who's who in this world. I know him. He's Jehovah. So that gives me a confidence that is very difficult. Yeah, at times I will be discouraged. But it's very difficult to put me down because I know that. Guys, love this Jesus. And no matter what he chooses to do with your life. Can you imagine if Uhuru's child today, sorry to even say this in church, at he started wondering at school fees here university I know I'm in form four, but nikifika uko dada takona do kweli. Can you imagine if Uhuru had him say that, what he'd tell you? Do you know the feeling I get when Zara is there telling me, Daddy, I'm hungry. Say, so, oh, I know there's food. But Daddy, I've not seen anything. You don't know where it is because maybe we buy just the previous night or I know I'm going to buy it. I just know. That is how God feels. When you take his power and put on something else rather than him. Whatever state you find yourself, guys, brothers, sisters, please, by the mercies of God, know that power only is in God. Number two, he tells them, we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. So our ungodliness, man's offenses against God, and unrighteousness, man's offenses against each other, will bring the wrath of God upon us. Especially since, our problem isn't that we don't know him. We do. The problem is we know him. Jesus Christ and his salvation is the only means of salvation. Guys, because we know him, there is a greater task upon us. It was better if you didn't know him. But if you know him, I beg you by the mercies of God, don't take his kindness in your life for granted. One of the prayers I constantly make is, Jehovah, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for allowing me to be still here. It means you still have work for me to do. It is a privilege to be used of God. If you are alive and breathing, it means you still need to stand out for him. Think about that for a second. Those who are dead, the Bible says, have no task upon them. The glory of Christ to be revealed. For you who is alive, my goodness, I beg you, by the mercies of God, shine for him. May not be found that you're alive for him and still behaving like you don't know him. Hey, that will be drama. Number three, being moral, knowing the law, being upright and of good stature in our society doesn't make you right with God. Knowing Jesus Christ justifies and makes you right with God. Just because we do the right things, just because we never hurt anyone, just because we're of good stature, Imanishi, we are right with God. Be right with him. Jeremiah, the Bible says, was right with God and was hated by his people. By the time Jeremiah was being called to be a prophet, the Bible says that the ears of the Israelites were shut. They could not hear him. Translation, he was like a sounding gong. Oh my God, shut up. He was not in good stature with the society. Yet the Bible tells us he pleased God. 
Guys, it is about pleasing him. It does not mean we go in pride or lift up our heads or our shoulders and assume we are above everyone. No. Please him anyway. Please him anyway. Whatever he asks you to do, do it. In Jesus' name. And then finally, the problem in our humanity, this sin that we have, and I hope we understand this, is a good thing. Having the ability to be fighting off the enemy for us is a good thing. Why? Because for you and I, it directs us. It should direct us to him. Especially since we're in his fold. We need to get to the place of understanding that God is for us, not against us. It should remind us that we are nothing without him. Never look at the things you struggle with and start saying, oh, I'm so doomed, oh my God. If the, just this part was removed. Yani, this boss of mine, whom say, think about the things we talked about last month. Maybe he's there, she's there, to mold you into what God designed you to be. The children that we get, I actually believe for parents, eh, they are to tow us in the line God wants. Guys, I hope you can start to understand the heart of the matter in the book of Romans. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at Rubani House on Shriji Road off Airport North Road.